0: We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC or our website CreekwoodUMC.org for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God.
1: Friends, our scripture for today is from um, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus called Ephesians. This is chapter 6. Today we are doing verses 10 through 15. and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us say thanks be to God.
2: So before I start, I just want to say a word to uh, children who are here. One, I'm really glad that you're here. And two, I recognize during this time that you are still in the group that is the most inconvenienced. Um, And so I just want to applaud you for being the brave, kind souls that you are and showing what it means to be resilient and showing what it means to share the good news through simply your willingness uh, to be resilient and to be hopeful. And so thank you for, uh, we know that you're bearing the brunt of the inconvenience right now, children. Um, and we're glad that you're here. Um, So, yeah. So, before I got married, I assumed that I had every shoe that anybody ever needed. I had five. Um, I had a pair of sandals that I could wear, I had a pair of running shoes, I had a pair of basketball shoes, I had my soccer cleats, and then I had a nice uh, pair of black shoes that I wore with every nice outfit because but apparently black shoes don't go with everything I didn't know that yet so uh, had my five pairs of shoes it was the only shoes that any person could ever need and when Lindsay and I got married we started combining things so we had a closet that was about as big as Sir Needs a Lot here and I lived there first in our apartment in Atlanta so I put my five shoes in there it filled up the entire closet and then um, Lindsay started shipping her boxes down from Boston And I started opening them, and I opened one, and there were more than five shoes. And then I opened another one, and there were more than five shoes in there. In fact, I learned that some people have, like, 30 pairs of shoes. In fact, I've learned that some people have hundreds of pairs of shoes. And I want to be on the record. Like, Lindsay's collection of shoes was not then, nor is not now, ostentatious by any measure. Um, But it was simply this new idea and concept that there is a shoe for every occasion. Like a proper shoe for every occasion. Because I learned as we were going through life, like, the sandals I owned were Birkenstocks. You know what Birkenstocks are? Raise your hand, right? Birkenstocks are not waterproof. So wearing Birkenstocks when you go out with friends on their boat is not nearly as good as the $1 Target flip-flops that you can buy. I learned that lesson. Um, I learned that we started going hiking more often. And when you are hiking, my assumption was if you're doing something where you're going to get dirty and mess up your shoes, you wear the rattiest, nastiest piece of shoes you have. Which for me was my old running shoes, which I had worn down the soles to about the piece of a paper size, and had no grip whatsoever. And you know what's not great when there's loose gravel and about a hundred foot drop on the other side? Shoes with no traction. So I learned you should buy some hiking shoes. Right, and then again, I mentioned it earlier, but did you know that black dress shoes don't look good with every pair of dress pants? No one told me this until I got married. And then she happily went and bought me brown dress shoes so I would actually look appropriate when we went out on the town or when we went to a a gala or some event like that. There were so many lessons I learned that apparently there is a shoe for every occasion, a proper shoe for every occasion. And just to drive home the point, I want you to see just some great moments in shoe history, if you will. Why is this not? Oh, it's because I have the thing. Okay. Jim, will you roll that, please? Only one kid in history had ever attempted what Benny was about to. And he got eaten. So we were worried. Real worried. Even when Benny brought out the secret weapon. Shoes guaranteed to make a kid run faster and jump higher. P.F. Flyers.
0: Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes. And tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself, there's no place like home.
1: Yo, Mars Blackman
0: here with my main man, Michael Jordan. Yo, Mike, what makes you the best player in the universe? Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes? Shoes. 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 Shoe. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars.
1: The fact is, Sometimes it's hard to walk in a single woman's shoes. That's why we need really special ones now and then to make the walk a little more fun.
2: The right shoe for the right opportunity, right? Each one of those shows is a little bit different. Jim, put up the first picture. If Dorothy had been wearing Doc Martens, for instance, does that look the same? What what about if we get the next picture Michael Jordan in stilettos? There's not quite the liftoff for the six-time world champion Chicago Bulls. Or I didn't show this picture. This wasn't part of the video. Like the, the French-Canadian line dancers took over. But Tombstone with Birkenstocks and leathers and ballet and all sorts just doesn't quite fit the mold, right? One shoe, the right shoe, makes all the difference for the scene, for the opportunity. The right shoe can change your life. And this is where Paul's uh, instructions in Ephesians 6 and the armor of God is interesting because you notice that most everything else had been very specific. The breastplate of righteousness has a very specific meaning to it, the belt of truth has a very specific meaning to it. And then Paul kind of goes in with this third object of clothing and says, Whatever shoes get the job done. And most of us don't look at the Bible with that much flexibility culturally even, the Bible is seen as this very hard and fast rule book that you should do this to achieve this, or God commands this, so do this. Um, And Paul's words here leave a lot of flexibility for our kind of co-creation, our our choosing in how we're going to go share the good news. It unites us. The armor of God is about the why, the what, what we're going to share, but how we're going to go do it is left with a lot of room in there. And this is something that is actually more in the Bible than you may think. This opportunity for us to claim our um, status as co-creators with God. God has established the what and the why, and we get to uh, figure out the most appropriate how for the situation. I want to show you how this looks in the Bible. So, um, first scripture verse that you'll see here is one of the hard and fast commandments. It's one of those things that people look and they look at the Bible and you say, the Bible says it, this is clear. Leviticus 24, 19 through 20. Anyone who maims another shall suffer the same injury in return. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, the injury inflicted is the injury to be suffered. If I went down to the front row and I just smacked Tyler Simpson across the face, Tyler has every biblical right to go slap me back across the face, correct? Correct. It's hard, it's fast, it's clear, we would say the Bible says it, but let's fast forward to Matthew. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go off the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. That is another hard and fast, very clear, very direct commandment that contradicts the other one, right? And so when we approach the Bible, we often have questions of like, okay, what do I do with the one that contradicts the other one. And for people who don't subscribe to the Bible as a source of authority, look at that and say, see, your own book doesn't even make sense with itself. But there's a reason. There's a different shoe involved in both of those, those scriptures. Right? The first one in Leviticus is where the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness in a mostly lawless society. The Code of Hammurabi had been written in Babylon by that point, and some people think that the laws of Deuteronomy are are based on the Code of Hammurabi, but largely, they're walking in the wilderness without any direction, without any order, and there are armies on every side of them, or within themselves. There's infighting, and there's jealousy. They don't have a system of law and order. And so, when somebody strikes you, and you get all enraged you might just kill them. And this is what was happening, is without this code of law and order, without any structure whatsoever, there was more violence than was needed, I guess. And we're gonna, you know. But by the time we get to Matthew, there's been a system of law and order that is not not helpful anymore. There's a ruling government of the Roman Empire, and even the Jewish authorities have gotten so indwelled with the, the law and created so many restrictive laws that the law is now oppressive. So the, the shoe to take the good news to the Israelites wandering in the wilderness who are afraid for their lives if they step out of turn against their neighbor, right, that shoe is saying, that law is prescriptive for them to say hey we're going to just try and limit the violence that's going on so tell you what a good idea is that if you slap this person they get to slap you back and we'll call it fair right when there's nothing that makes sense but the law and order had grown to such a level that it was oppressive that you weren't afraid of what your neighbor would do to you you'd be afraid of what the law would do to you and so jesus steps into this situation and says here i'm going to tell you you've heard You've heard that if you slap somebody, they get to slap you back, and that's fair. But we've been slapping each other way too long. And the good news you need to hear is that the kingdom of God is not about violence. The kingdom of God is not about fear. The kingdom of God says that we are to love our neighbor and our enemy as ourselves. And for people who have been living under this oppressive law to be freed by grace is good news that Jesus brings to them. And this vision of something more. They've been living in this military dictatorship, and to hear that there is a kingdom they can be a part of that is full of grace for each other. In fact, I mean the hard and fast commandment, it doesn't say you should give to only those who deserve it. It doesn't say you should give to only those who are going to spend it wisely. There's a very hard and fast commandment. You should give to whoever asks of you. Because the law in the kingdom is grace. The law in the kingdom is forgiveness. The way in which we relate to one another is love. And for people who have been oppressed, this is good news. This is the shoe that needs to carry that good news. And we see from both those standpoints, they are helpful in their cultural conduct context, even if they don't agree with each other. and Where Paul is giving us flexibility, and even Jesus gives us this flexibility, is to say here is the good news. Here is the kingdom that exists upon mutual love for one another, of loving our neighbor as ourself. Here is the, the kingdom that exists where, where God's rule, where that rule that says you are worthy of grace and forgiveness is the baseline of how we treat each other that here is the kingdom in which your ego is separate or your ego is is cured, if you will, to see the needs of others before your own needs. Right? That's the shoe that made all the difference. Those are the shoes Jesus put on for that context, and what we would ultimately find is our context as well. And we see how Paul does this. Paul goes in, uh, he talks to the Corinthian church, and where, let me just tell you, before I get into the Corinthian passage, I had an experience a couple years back, um, kind of right off to another, is one of those Carolyn was talking about this season where um, she went to conferences all the time the other day, um, because we get in these seasons of where it's just like, oh, there's an educational opportunity, I need to take it, and this was my season of taking every educational opportunity, and they were all around evangelism, and evangelism is Just the word of evangel is, uh, evangelon is good news. When you have gospel, it's evangelon of Matthew or evangelon of Luke. And so evangelism is telling the good news. And it's not threatening. It's just telling somebody what you're excited about. And uh, so I went to this conference and they were like, okay, we're going to give you the five-step surefire strategy to to share the good news with somebody. And so we went and there were literally, it was five lines. Like you start with this and then they're going to counter with this and then you're going to come back with this. And it was like you could predict everything that was in the people's minds. And um, some brave soul in the back said, so hey, I've said this first one to somebody, and it didn't work very well. And the teacher at the front said, no, just follow the steps. Right? It was the military boot style of evangelism. Now, a couple weeks later, I went from, from take these five steps and everything will be okay to um, the Saddleback model, the Rick Warren Church model. It's, um, we affectionately know as the bait-and-switch model. And what you do is you hold this mega event that has nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. And so you get, like, let's just say the Beatles to come, right? So the Beatles are playing a concert um, next Sunday is when that will happen, by the way. Uh, so the Beatles are playing a concert. And you invite everyone to come just to hear the beatles and so of course everybody wants to hear the beatles so they all come right and they're all expecting john and ringo and paul and george to put on this great show but then somewhere in the middle of it that's when the pastor gets up and the pastor says hey i know y'all are all here to hear the beatles but there's something so much better than the beatles right and then you get in and you start spreading the gospel and then all of a sudden all these ushers and counselors start showing up next to you and it's this real pressure-packed situation of people who just came to hear good music are like bombarded with the good news, right? It's this trap that you're, that you're stuck in. And so they, they, um, they talked about this model and said, yeah, you just need to focus on events that have nothing to do with Jesus so that you can tell Jesus to people. So let's fast forward to Wednesday, where we have people who are interested in using our building for, um, for to help out with our cause. And um, we, we, I walk them around. I'm talking. They're wonderful, wonderful people. I want to be friends with these people, and um, by the end of it, um, the man looks at me and says, now, you should know we're not religious in any way whatsoever. I said, okay. I said, that doesn't bother you, and I I said, well, I'd love for you to be, um, but no, I mean, if we're sharing a building and we're both doing good for the common good of the community, I feel like God is moving in that, and and then we had a 30-minute discussion about how provenient grace works, and and grace, in general, works, and, like, Christianity is a non-judgmental space where we invite people to journey, and they don't have to be perfect right off the, the bat, and it was this really interesting discussion, because you know the two things that, when they moved over from Europe, they thought about American Christians? A, we're all judgmental, and they experienced this. B, we do these really big bait-and-switch events that are all about getting our, their money, And I thought back to these two evangelism experiences, and I said, what if I had put those boots on? What if I had put on the slippers of fuzzy Christianity and just said, oh, it really doesn't matter. Let's just come hear the Beatles play, right? But instead, I don't know, for some reason, I put on the right shoes in that moment, and they're not Christians right now, and honestly, my intention with them is purely just to love them for who they are and maybe share our space with them for a great community cause, But I do know that I got a text message back from one of these people on Thursday that just said, we're still blown away that there's a pastor that we met that we like in this area. (laughs) And I thought that was a win. (laughs) Right? No, I'm like, I'm just, for whatever reason, we've bought this facade that there's only one pair of shoes that any Christian can wear. We bought this facade that there is only one pair of shoes that somebody needs to see us wear, that we need to go hard-charging into the world. We're fighting culture, and we're at this war, so lace up your boots. Or, you know, we're all just going to wear flip-flops and cruise because this is—God loves us, and it really doesn't matter what we do in the world. When in reality, there's a different pair of shoes that you wear to a funeral— than you do when someone's born. There's a different pair of shoes that you walk in when somebody's struggling through a divorce than what you lace up for the wedding. You know, ironically, it's the same pair of shoes when somebody's 45 and going through a midlife crisis as it is when a teenager is questioning their identity. Right, but there's different shoes that we put on because the gospel plays different in different contexts. It's the same good news. It's the same good news that God so loved the world that God sent Jesus to push the evil out of the way that our sin would not be a barrier anymore and that we could live in light of love and that we could actively engage with our neighbors. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, to the Jew, I became the Jews. To the free, I became the free. To the hurting, I became the hurting. To those who are confident, I became confident. Right, what our job is when we're, when we're suiting up here. What our job is, is to read the culture, to read the room, and to put on the right shoes that are gonna bring that good news in the right context. And for those who are hurting, it's the shoes that go and hurt alongside somebody. For the overconfident, it might be the shoes that show them what it means to be humble. For those who are questioning, you know what, we put on our loafers and we spend as much time there as possible. And we allow them to question, and we sit with them in their questions, and we share our questions, too. And you know what? For somebody who is just amped up for the gospel, we put on our Nikes, and we run full force alongside of them. We bring the good news in whatever way it needs to be received. It is the same good news, but the same way of delivering the good news does not work in every situation. And I want you to hear that as a freeing thing, because when we talk about telling people about the good news of Jesus... When we talk about evangelism, when we talk about inviting people to church, everyone gets scared that they don't know how to do it. And the good news that Paul verifies in scripture is that you don't know how, or you don't have to know how to do it. Because to the Jew, Paul became like the Jews. If you're a parent of somebody at Heart Elementary, be a parent of somebody at Heart Elementary and just let Jesus be in that situation with the grace that you can show somebody and tell them about. If you're somebody who plays golf every Monday, Tuesday through Friday, all the way at Heritage Ranch, be somebody who plays golf at Heritage Ranch every day and bring Jesus into that situation. Right? Put on the shoes that you already have. Because the good news that we have in what the church is is that we are not a one-size-fits-all church. We are a one-good-news-for-many-people church. And we have people who think differently and have different patterns of life and different busyness schedules and different stages of life. And you know why that's amazing? It's because the retired person can go and talk to the other retired person. The kid who's in fourth grade can go talk to the kid in fourth grade. We don't have to be everything for everyone because God has granted us the church. And the Holy Spirit moves in different ways. The Holy Spirit has given us different gifts for different purposes. Some people are gonna share the gospel by going and building a house for somebody. Other people are going to be really great at unpacking the scriptures like Philip does in in the Ethiopian eunuch. Others are simply going to have a cross on their shirt and not be a jerk. But each one of us is gifted with a shoe that can change somebody's life. The shoe that can tell the good news through word and action out in the world. So whatever shoes you have on right now, those are shoes of good news. Those are the how. What we need to remember is the what. That the shoes we put on each morning are so that we can tell people that God loves them. That God has freed them. That God desperately wants them on God's team to bring the world Jesus talked about with no hurt, with mercy, and with love. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that we might see our feet as the beautiful feet that bring good news. Our feet as... The modicon for the way our body moves in the world to uplift those who are hungry and poor and suffering. The feet that might put our hands in the right position to hold somebody else's when they need somebody to walk with. The feet that will guide us to uh, where our head can be engaged in study and question with those who need it. God, use our feet to move us, not to be stuck. Not to be overwhelmed, but to be swift and light, to be nimble and free, to put on whatever shoes we need to, so that people might know what your grace is. And it's in your son we ask for that clarity and that guidance, and we thank you for your commandments of grace.
0: It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at CreekwoodUMC and our website, CreekwoodUMC.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.